The vibration of change, that magical place where life shifts from struggle to ease, from stagnation to forward movement, from old ways of being to new ways of becoming. Yes, it can seem rather elusive to get there, but when you are in it, you feel it down to your very core, and it can positively affect everything in your life, from your relationships to your health and well-being, from your career path to your abundance, from the quality of your inner connection to the fullness of your self-expression. Here on The Christine Uptrich Show, we explore ways to get into that vibration of change with experts in the fields of consciousness, psychology, spirituality, health, healing, and science. Are you ready to step into your vibration of change? Hello, everybody. Welcome to The Christine Uptrich Show and The Vibration of Change. So glad to have you here today. You may notice if you've been watching the video from week to week that I'm back in a place where I've got decent internet, a little less glitchy, a little less nature. It's a balancing act. Um, before we go any further, I want to say hello to the people behind the technology who allow you to hear these wonderful conversations. Olivia at Transformation Talk Radio. Good morning, Olivia. Good morning. How are you? I'm doing well, thank you. How are you? I'm doing great. And Benny, I, I miss seeing you in the studio at KKNW. You're there doing your magic again today. Thank you so much. How are you doing? Oh, you're quite uh, welcome. And yes, my magic tricks, uh, are I have to keep up on them, like, plentiful. I mean, it's just I have to. I mean, I've got to be, like, you know, the man behind the, the curtain, I guess, so to speak. I could do that or yeah. sleight of hand. And uh, I could, Olivia could be my assistant on stage. We'll make it work. <laughs> <laughs> well, can we do a vaudeville act together? Hey, now we're talking. I like that. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm excited about our guest today because she epitomizes how life often doesn't take you down the path you expect and how you can end up coming full circle in mysterious and magical ways that helps you to feel complete. Uh, but before we introduce her, we're going to take a quick 60 second break and make sure everything is in alignment. Stay tuned for the other side on the Christine Uptrick Show. The vibration of change, that magical place where life shifts from struggle to ease, from stagnation to forward movement, from old ways of being to new ways of becoming. If you're like I am, it can be rather elusive to get there, but when you are in it, you feel it down to your very core, don't you? And it can positively affect everything in your life, from your relationships to your health and well-being, from your career path to your abundance from the quality of that inner connection to the fullness of your self-expression. On The Christine Uptrich Show, we explore ways to get into that vibration of change with experts in the fields of consciousness, psychology, spirituality, health, healing, and science. Join me, Christine Upchurch, every Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on KKNW AM 1150 and Transformation Talk Radio and learn new ways to step into your vibration of change. Welcome back to the Christine Upchurch and the Vibration of Change on KKNW and Transformation Talk Radio. We're having a conversation today with Sundari Denby. She is an interesting mix of the scientific mind and the intuitive, the spiritual and the concrete. Um, and I'm going to tell you a little bit about her history. She's, she, her life has been an intimate mixing of metaphysics, science and music into a seamless solution of self, is what she says. She has a lifetime career as a chemistry professor, love that, and chemical um, 
and, and she has degrees in chemistry and chemical physics from the University of Michigan and the University of Chicago. So heavy duty science. Um, she was a chemistry department chair and interim college division chairperson at the 25,000 student Diablo Valley College. For a year, she was visiting professor teaching at UC Berkeley. So you get the, the picture here. She is heavy duty scientific. Um, she's got an interesting past that didn't let her sort of go to that highest level, but we'll, we'll, we'll be talking to her about that. Um, and, but she's also taught Enneagrams, meditation, breathing techniques, yoga for singers, and all sorts of esoteric practices. And she's educated and well-versed in so many different spiritual approaches. And she's very strongly aligned with A Course in Miracles. I'd like to welcome our guest today, Sundari Demby. Hi, Sundari. Welcome. Christine, thank you so much. It's just a joy to be here. Yeah. And I want to mention that she's also the author of The Choice of Happiness, Glimpses from an Extraordinary, Ordinary, Scientific, Mystical Life. And, and there's the, her book there. Okay, so I want to go back decades because you were in a scientific program working on your doctorate and you were very close, right? then something happened. Can you sort of share with our listeners your history of how life seemed to treat you unfairly and then how that sort of shifted your, your perspective on life? Right. Be happy to. Um, so I was uh, working on my degree at the University of Chicago for about four and a half years and uh -huh. uh, came to a point where my advisor said to me, you're done, write it up. Mm -hmm. and then dropped dead 10 days later. And so um, the department came to me three days after that and said, sorry, Miss Demby, but the next fellow won't have a, a woman in his research group. You're going to have to start from scratch again, new project, new advisor. Uh -huh. and, and, and just so our listeners understand, I've been in a PhD program too, and I and the way it works is when you've got an area of research, there are only certain people you can work with because um, each person in the department has his or her own um, area of specialty. So you can't just easily switch from one advisor to another when you've got a bad one or when one unfortunately drops dead. Okay, go ahead. Right, it's exactly that way. And, um, you know, this was also the year before gender equity came into existence. Mm -hmm. And um, in recent communications with the university, they let me know that uh, it was really for reasons like my own that the gender equity law did come into existence. Okay. So, one so there you were, your research was done, you were going to write up the dissertation and get your PhD, and then you couldn't switch without starting from scratch? That's what I was told. Okay. And uh, one week to the day after he died, four days after they told me that, someone also broke into my lock department in the middle of the night. This was um, a tough community. This was Barack Obama's Hyde Park community. And uh -huh. uh, it was at a time right after the Democratic Convention, which was very bloody. That was, uh, a, this, this was uh, 19, well, 
I finished my degree about 1971. So, mm -hmm. uh, and I started in 68. So, and that's a very tumultuous time. That was a very, very tumultuous time in our country. Yes. And um, so I was rather lost as to how to progress towards my degree. I literally mm -hmm. sat there for three months reading the newspaper every day because no one gave me, although the department gave me flowers for being assaulted, um, no one consoled me or gave me career advice as to how I was to progress towards my degree. I had mm -hmm. simply been told the fellow that I'd have to start over, but I didn't know how to do that. And, um, and, 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 and that's, it's, it's almost like going through a very long pregnancy and a long, hard childbirth and then saying, okay, well, no, you can't have your baby until you go through all that again. I mean, it's, it's, it's such an intense process working on doctoral research. Um, I think there, there are probably some people who really understand that, but just like switching from one topic to another, it's not like, um, you know, uh, trying to decide which paper you're going to write in a, um, a literature class in college. It's, and then writing one and then having to write another one. It's, it's far bigger than that. Well, I had uh, all those years, I kept my data. This was 500 pages of data mm -hmm. and uh, research and graphs and charts. And, and the emotions of that week were so extraordinary because I was so shocked when he told me I was done. I mean, there was just this, oh, burst of joy in my beingness because you don't quite realize you're actually done till they tell you, oh, you're done. And uh -huh. then, then his death, plunged me into grief. He was a lovely man, Lothar Meyer. And then to be told I'd have to start over and then to deal with the trauma of the situation that unfolded to me was a lot of emotion for one week. Yeah. Oh, gosh. So what choice did you make once they said, well, go ahead, start all over, do it all over again with a different advisor? Um, or leave? What did you choose to do? I, I waited three months to see what might unfold. And mm -hmm. I think people were, you know, I think also the men of that generation were intimidated to speak to a woman who had been physically assaulted. Mm -hmm. And I think people in general not only didn't want to take over someone's graduate student, we'd reached the moon in 69, research monies were drying up somewhat. Uh, uh -huh. it, it, there was this huge uh, effort in uh, uh -huh. science was respected of getting to the moon. And then once we got there, um, it wasn't like people were readily going to take on a new, a, a new student uh -huh. uh, with their research monies in danger, in a sense. And right. on top of that, I think men were maybe intimidated. It, it, assault was nothing people spoke about in those days. And I think people were intimidated, even having, I mean, a young woman who'd been assaulted in their group. I mean, what would they say to them? What, mm -hmm. And it was an awkward situation. So I left. I went uh, on a week vacation to California, just uh -huh. thinking ah, I needed a break and uh, ended up finding a full-time college teaching job in a week and uh -huh. thought, well, maybe I'll do that a couple years and then... Mm -hmm. um, go back and finish the degree once I get my grounding again. Mm -hmm. So did you get any support 
for um, dealing with the aftermath of the assault? No, that, that wasn't common then. It was so uh -huh. uncommon that I remember years later when uh, little signs started appearing inside stalls of ladies' rooms, not oh, even yeah. outside the stalls, saying, if you've been assaulted, you can call this number, or if you uh -huh. are experiencing an abusive situation. But it wasn't even okay to have that on public boards in the major part of the restroom. I mean, it was right. something people did not speak about. Uh-huh, yeah. Okay, so you started teaching. Um, so it was almost like you were working as though, you, I mean, it, it, you didn't have your PhD and yet you had the education of a PhD. So um, it's great that you found a teaching position so whatever drew you to a spiritual path? Well, I, you know something, I think that was a gift of this situation. It mm -hmm. was so puzzling to me. It was so, um, I couldn't make sense of my world. And then I was plunged into California at mm -hmm. a time, Berkeley area. Um, right, right. At a time when uh, teachers were going through, I mean, this was, uh, this was the prime flowering of spirituality and mm -hmm. i ended up um oh in a, a mystical school uh, uh claudio naranjo's uh seekers after truth uh, ah. uh and it was like a oh he would bring us teacher after teacher i would guess i was exposed to 20 30 major gurus rinpoche uh -huh. and uh hindu paths and i ended up teaching with him oh three or four years, uh, Enneagram material. And uh -huh. really, besides my teaching, I was probably doing, oh, I bet 30 hours of spiritual week, uh, work a week. Um, wow. Quite intense. Um, and it brought me to um, a place of understanding that there um, it was interesting, you know, we're, we're unhappy and then we're happy. Mm -hmm. The trick is how do you get from the one to the other? Right. And um, through all the practices, through especially meditation, I've probably meditated every day since 1974, except mm -hmm. for um, about a year that I, right when I came back from India the first time, I had meditated and meditated and meditated. And I think I was meditated out. I couldn't meditate for a year and then it just uh -huh. came back again. Uh -huh. But there was a point where I realized that the choice was mine. There was this magical spiral staircase. And actually, the stories in my book of these three mentors, I met the first mentor and had a profound really enlightenment experience that lasted five months of merged consciousness and uh -huh. um, bliss, unending bliss, moment by moment for five months of falling into a flower. And even though I was teaching chemistry, every sound, every, every taste would explode in my mouth. Uh -huh. And what I learned was that it was like I'd put a bar up between unhappy and happy uh -huh. and that lifted at that point. So even though I might not choose happiness every instant now, 
I know how to get there. And I know where that spiral staircase is in myself. And I realize it's my choice. It's my choice to walk into that space. And I have a lot of tools that I use to get there. Okay, so you've mentioned meditation. I think there are probably a lot of people listening right now who are, you know, they've been on their journeys for a long time and, you know, very, very conscious. And yet with some of the stressors today, with some of the upheaval, whether it's financial, um, career-related, suddenly fearing our neighbors, you know, because of this unseen virus. Um, how does somebody get from the stressors of life, however extreme they are, up that spiral that you're talking about? Well, you know, I've sort of put my lifetime together and I really have five suggestions for people. So the first is allowing. And mm. when I think of allowing, um, if you don't allow all, A-L-L, you're left with, ow, O-W, allow. And uh, Oh, I like that. Say that again. That's, that's, that's a great um, way of, of viewing it. If you don't allow all, A-L-L, you're left with, ow, O-W. Uh, yeah. Okay, so that's one principle. So another one is gratitude, mm -hmm. and which I think of as a contraction of the word great attitude. And, oh. um, but the trick is, how do you get into gratitude? Uh -huh. And one of the major ways that I do personally is I believe in a cosmic dance card of my life mm -hmm. that I've kind of scripted in before coming in with the divine in co-creation. Sure. And, and so if I'm dealing with a really difficult situation, COVID, um, mm -hmm. uh, Black Lives Matter, uh, mm -hmm. being denied a degree, mm -hmm. what I'll do is say to myself, wow, if I had scripted this into the story of my life, what gift could I possibly be giving myself? Mm -hmm. What gift could I possibly be giving myself? And uh, if I don't see it, you know, I'll meditate on it. And then I'll ask spirit, mm -hmm. um, help me, help me to see what gift I might be giving myself. Mm -hmm. And that's right. a doorway for me into gratitude. Yeah. And, and I think that there, it, it's a, an interesting balancing act between allowing all and being grateful when you don't understand what the lesson in it. I think what a lot of people end up doing is there's this conditionality, like, oh, you know, there, this is here for a lesson. And uh, once I understand the lesson, I'll be grateful for it. Or once I understand the lesson, I will allow it more fully. Whereas you, you, you can't, you can't do both and, and get to the other side. It's like, you have to allow it and not understand being that mystery of not understanding um what the lesson is and still be grateful for being in process yes and you know i'll, I'll come to a place where it doesn't have to be the ultimate truth but if i can think of some reason why i might have set this up for myself uh-huh i get out of victimhood 
I get out of blaming and victimhood. And mm -hmm. I, I, I get into the realm of taking personal responsibility, which gives me a chance to have a higher state of being. Uh-huh, yeah. And I think that, um, again, we're, we're in a situation where it's a, a bit of a balancing act, because I think that sometimes in the sort of the new age perspective, um, somebody will look at another person who's got a severe illness and say, you know, how did they bring that on? What you're saying is, let's look from the, at the higher perspective. It doesn't mean that there's fault, like self-blame. It means that it is about uh, a higher lesson that the soul is learning with that restrictive experience. Yes. I, it's funny. I'm thinking of this one paragraph in my book. That, that I got like right out of the energy session of each, each of our lives is perfect. There's, uh -huh. there's, um, can I read a part of it? Or is you betcha, please. Um, each of our lives is truly perfect. There is nothing that can be changed. Our destiny has been planned from the moment we originated. So truly there is nothing to do. Who you meet and marry, is all of that is already mapped out. Take a deep breath. You can relax into the very fabric of your life. You don't have to struggle. There is no way to be wrong. Mm -hmm. There's only the choice of how to react to what is happening. Uh -huh. Relax into the gift of the exact life God has given you. It is your own perfection. It is your perfect service. Feel God breathing you each and every breath, each struggle, each situation, each person, the hard and the easy is the exquisite perfection and exact flavor needed for the constant upliftment of your soul. Mm, beautiful. And somehow when I got that philosophy, true <laughs> or not, it's the only way I can step out of personal guilt in the fabric of my own being. Huh. Um, because if I truly believe that things are unfolding perfectly, no matter how mm -hmm. terrible they might look. Right. And that it's not my fault. There was nothing I could do. Uh -huh. Then I can just do the best I can in the moment. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, that's and, great. Um, so that was two tools so far, the allowing and the gratitude. Um, what else? So another is forgiving. Um, and I think of this word having a hyphen in the middle. Okay. Forgiving. And actually, personally, I see no difference between forgiving and forgiving. Please explain more. Okay. Um, if you're not in a state of forgiveness, you've put up a wall. You can't move towards. You can't get into the give and exchange. It's, mm -hmm. uh, it, it, you know, I have a four-step method I used with Chicago, and it's always looking at the person, always knowing there's a win-win solution, mm -hmm. always looking at the person as your solution rather than your problem. Uh -huh. So it, even in the slightest actions, I'm calling... I don't know, the dentist's office about a wrong bill. I've been overcharged, okay? And a lot of times I'll catch myself in the middle of the call and I'll be angry, you know, and it's like, uh, 
I've been charged wrong and you got, you know, you can take that attitude or you can take the attitude of, wow, you're my solution. And I'm going to give really my blessing to this situation mm-hmm. to allow you to step up and solve my problem for me. Uh-huh. And we, we're, a team, we're a team then. Right, right. And also it, from a higher level perspective, we never can understand going into it if there's some higher purpose, not just um, to come together as a team in that sense, but also it could be that um, that person's dog had died the day before. And for some reason, the conversation will go that way. And you'll be the perfect person to support them. That kind of thing has happened to me so many times where I think, you know, there could be some conflict. And it's like, then I understand, oh, no, I've, I'm put here for a very good reason to support this person. And so it was no mistake at all. You know, it, what you're saying is incredibly true. And I would say that 90% of those situations, when I take that attitude and I catch uh-huh. myself in uh-huh. that way and really come from the place of what can I offer this situation, we, we end up in like a holy instant with each other. It, it, an amazing state. I mean, I've I've ended up I don't know singing the Lord's Prayer in Aramaic for the mosquito vector guy who comes to the house. It's uh-huh. like, there's these amazing uh, moments. So tell, that tell that story. Tell that story about um, like that. That seems like a really strange thing to do. What was his reaction? Oh, we've become good friends. The mosquito vector guy. Yeah. <laughs> Um, it's like we have such joy in seeing each other and we sail together in in worlds of bliss Um, and really this can happen you know with the garbage man and uh, Uh it's um, being people are amazing it's not only that I have an extraordinary ordinary life it's that each of us does Yes. If we but could see our the jigsaw puzzle of how we're fitting into get in with the whole, the mm-hmm. uh, holographic and fractal natures of each of our lives, it's right. extraordinary. Um, I remember the, the moment um, I was in the CERN Hadron Collider in Geneva with Lee Carroll, uh, Greg Brady, uh-huh. and uh, Greg showed us. Uh, a movie of Edgar Mitchell going around the dark side of the moon. This was uh-huh. in 2017. And um, I'm watching this movie. I'd seen it before. Uh-huh. And all of a sudden, I look at the dates. You know, my consciousness was a little more expanded because I'd seen it before. And the dates were such that the week, exactly the week he went around the dark side of the moon, was the same week that my advisor died. I was told to start my degree from scratch and I was assaulted all during that journey. And how symbolic. All of a sudden, my life became elevated. And this was right before I wrote Chicago again. But my life became elevated in an amazing way. And I saw my place as holding the whole in my little individual story while the bigger story of the whole world looking at darkness was going on. Uh That's the hologram part and the fractal, how 
each of our little stories, if we could but see it, expands outward into creation so, uh, so that we each are tremendously important in the world. And wow. our little efforts are enormous. And it uplifted me into a place where I think it added strength for um, the, the part of my story you didn't say is that uh, um, uh, two years after I would have published this research, someone published virtually the same research and won the Nobel Prize for it. Oh, my goodness. Okay, we, we have to go to a quick break, but we want to hear more about that, more about spiraling upwards towards happiness and how you finally got your due. Stay tuned for more with Sundari Demby here in just a few moments. I'm Peggy Snow with another Stellar Reflections Minute. Presence, or what we think of as being fully in the moment, is a key element in the process of healing work. As a practitioner facilitating a session, genuine presence takes us out of our heads where we tend to decide what is and maybe what should be for the client and moves us into direct experience where we're available to witness the person in their wholeness. In this receptive realm, our senses are heightened and expanded, allowing us to perceive what's seeking to unfold and to interact in the moment. There's something profoundly powerful that happens when healing is approached in this simple, pure way. Balance can be restored and healing can take place on multiple levels. If you'd like more information about the services we offer at Stellar Reflections, visit us at StellarReflections.com or call 425-999-9836. That's 425-999-9836. Hi, I'm Brittany Miles, and I'm hosting a Zoom class on Wednesday, July 29th, 5 p.m. Pacific, with East West Bookshop here in Seattle. The title of my class is The Life You Save May Be Your Own. You're going to learn about how I lost it all in 2016 and the three-step process which got me back my life. Wednesday, July 29th, 5 p.m. See you then. The vibration of change, that magical place where life shifts from struggle to ease, from stagnation to forward movement, from old ways of being to new ways of becoming. If you're like I am, it can be rather elusive to get there, but when you are in it, you feel it down to your very core, don't you? And it can positively affect everything in your life, from your relationships to your health and well-being, from your career path to your abundance. From the quality of that inner connection to the fullness of your self-expression. On the Christine Upchurch Show, we explore ways to get into that vibration of change with experts in the fields of consciousness, psychology, spirituality, health, healing, and science. Join me, Christine Upchurch, every Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on KKNW AM 1150 and Transformation Talk Radio and learn new ways to step into your vibration of change. Are you meeting your sales goals? Or maybe your business plan could use a dose of the divine. Tune in to Divinely Driven Results with faith-based business coach Elise Smith on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Coach Elise Smith helps listeners get unstuck from their business plateau and become empowered through divine guidance. Build up belief in yourself and your dreams and learn business strategies that work for you for real lasting results. Learn more by visiting www.DivinelyDrivenResults.com. 
Welcome back to the Christine Upchurch Show here on KKNW AM 1150 in the Seattle area and on Transformation Talk Radio around the world. You might be listening after the fact on christineupchurch.com or one of the dozens of podcasts this show ends up. Um, we're grateful to have you here. And we are talking with um, Sundari Dembi, author of The Choice of Happiness. And we're so grateful to have you back. And Sundari, okay, so you had this research that you couldn't write into a dissertation because they wouldn't allow you to 20 years later, whatever it was, um, somebody won a Nobel Prize for that research. All right, so you're talking about the spiral of happiness. How did you handle the frustration or the feelings of unfairness when that unfolded, where you saw that you were contributing something very significant and somebody else ultimately got credit for it? Well, it wasn't quite like that because I didn't, uh, as a graduate student, you really can't judge your own research. Yeah. You know, I, so I looked, when I discovered his research, Doug Osherock, who won the Nobel Prize for um, superfluidity in um, 1996, but this was in uh, 2000, I discovered his existence in some uh -huh. article I was reading. And, um, and I went to the journals to see if the research really was that similar. And it still looked virtually like my research, not copied, of course, just as right, right. research. And I thought, I remember thinking, what do I want out of this? And I mm -hmm. thought, I should have gotten my degree. You know, rather than being, oh, this happened to me, it was like, where do I want to get to rather than what awful thing has happened to me? So you stepped out of victimhood and you you were and choosing to him. figure out what you wanted to create. Right. And I called him on the phone and he said, to my shock, he said, oh, I heard about you and your, your, your research work and your group. And he said, you should have gotten your degree. I'll support you in that. You should write uh, Chicago. And he's the one that inspired me to write Chicago. That's correct. Um, so if I'd gotten into a state of, oh, I'm unfair and this guy got, you know, uh -huh. yeah, none, this wouldn't have been unfolded in, in a joyous way. Uh -huh. And so I wrote Chicago then and no one answered. And so I do what I do and went on living my life. Mm -hmm. until 2018 when I was in a hashtag me too group uh -huh. and, um, and it sort of brought up the emotions of not having my doctorate and I uh -huh. thought I'm going to write them again and I wrote the president of the University of Chicago and included the letter that I had written in 2000 um, wow. and immediately uh, I'd say within three days I received um, a call from the vice provost of the University of Chicago. And then they uh -huh. gave me two hours of interviews with the gender equity Title IX person. And uh -huh. then uh, they said they were gonna set up a committee. And um, I had dragged my 500 pages of research with me through life, never, uh -huh. never having looked at it since then, but never, um, I couldn't get rid of it. And so they said, digitize it, send it in. I did. And to my shock, 
all of a sudden, 48 years later, I was a graduate student again. And they wow. were asking me questions, whose handwriting is on page, blah, blah, and uh -huh. where are the breakthroughs in your research? And I, I was so intimidated. I ended up one day in the ER with aphasia. I mean, it was just like mind boggling to me oh, wow. um, to be a graduate student again. Mm -hmm. But I was able at that point with all the other work I've done to walk this very narrow edge in the fiber of my being in every communication with Chicago of self-worth and holding that I deserved this degree. And there were chasms of self-doubt on either side. And I remember I, it was one of the hardest things I've ever done to hold those muscles of believing in myself. Mm -hmm. And I think truly that each of us blesses ourselves with both the difficult and the easy situations by the really vibration of the words we let run through our head. Mm -hmm. You know, oh, heck, my research will never be this good, or, or I deserve this degree. Mm -hmm. I should be given this degree. And uh -huh. by that time, I was conscious enough to use a, a consciously a four-step method with Chicago. And so the first step was not to be angry, to uh -huh. look at them as my solution, not my problem. Right. And to believe in them as an institution of integrity um, who would want to correct an error. Uh -huh. And that we, 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 we understand who we are by our reflections through others. Mm -hmm. And so if I'm sending them out, I believe in you, it inspires them to step up into that. Uh -huh. And when they're stepping up into that, I step up into the best of myself too, and we can mm -hmm. walk together. And then Go ahead. secondly, I, I gave them the power to make the decision by giving them three choices that would satisfy me. So instead of saying, you need to do this, uh -huh. I said, listen, either give me my degree, or if you can't do that, give me an honorary degree, or if you uh -huh. can't do that, um, I have a lot of, you know, I was barred from doing research. Uh, and so I applied chemical principles to life. And my book is full of chemical principles applied to 9-11, to society, to parent-children relationships, to many aspects of life. Mm -hmm. And I said, maybe you could use my book as a thesis. But they felt so inspired by my confidence in them to make this right. Uh -huh. They stepped into the realm of really inspired creativity. They gave me a full doctorate uh -huh. in chemical physics with no dissertation and i believe i'm the only person in the history of the university of chicago to be in that position that is fabulous so it's it is dr sundari demby you know and and uh, i i didn't want to give that away earlier in in this conversation because it you know it's such an integral part of your story that there's this surprise ending or you know, it's a continuation of something. And I think about the, the gift that you gave these professors um, there at the university who, um, you gave them the opportunity to, to right a wrong. And whether or not they understand the importance of that role, I mean, they, they, it, it creates this 
vibrational shift of something that has been wronged that is now righted. And um, that seems like a, a really important gift that they not only gave to you and to, to women in general, but that you gave them the opportunity to, to, to give to themselves. You know, we've ended up in a love fest together. I'm in these little communication sharing life with, I would bet four or five administrators there at Chicago still. Uh -huh. And they're reflecting back to me that they're inspired by me and I'm reflecting back to them the gratitude of uh, supporting me in this journey. And uh -huh. um, it's amazing. You can step into this space of pure, unbelievable joy together. So they actually asked me, um, they were going to pay my way back to be in conversation with the provost, oh. the, new, uh, the new provost of the University of Chicago at their uh, alumni reunion weekend, which was canceled be because of COVID. But right. um, it, it, there's, there's this amazing relationship. And I think there was one other principle I wanted to mention of, mm -hmm. of steps, and that was giving up outcome. And um, yes, because that's it's such a big deal. If I had held on to the only thing you can possibly do to be right in this situation is mm -hmm. give me that degree, then you're uh -huh. putting pressure on them. Right. In a way that there's an internal resistance Whereas uh -huh. it wasn't that I didn't want that outcome, uh -huh. but if I see myself still having a good life, whether or not I get that outcome, even though I do want it, it uh -huh. takes the pressure off them. And, and I think that, um, that when we have that attachment, the personal attachment to outcome, that it keeps us from that allowing piece that you were talking about, right? It keeps us from sort of embracing the now, which is an important, I think on a quantum physics level, it's a really important way of moving forward. Um, okay, before I ask, oh, go, go ahead. Uh, one other thing about outcome there. Um, I once was at a Beatles revival concert uh -huh. and they were singing, all you need is love, boo, 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 boo. And I heard at that point, love me your solution, live me your agenda make my day and somehow it helps me give up outcome and i say that uh, every morning at the end of my meditation process and every evening before i go to sleep and feel that there are even better solutions than i could possibly think up for myself yes. available if i but opened up the forum of what outcomes could possibly happen to me. Never in 10 million years would I have believed that they would give me my full doctorate after 48 years with no dissertation. So yeah, yeah. And, and I think about that as a healer over the years, people would come in to see me um, hoping for something, you know, something to get fixed, forgetting that they had lived with something chronic for 20, 30 years that suddenly disappears, um, or they get a different kind of, um, you know, different kind of gift, you know, within a few days of the, the healing session, they meet the love interest of their life. You know, it's, it's the kind of thing where the universe can surprise us if we allow it. Exactly. Yeah. Before we go any further um, and, and our hour runs out, I want to make sure people know how they can connect with you. What's your website? Uh, sundaridembi.com 
Why don't you go ahead and spell that? S U N, like the sun, D A R I D E M B E dot com. Yeah, Sundari Dembi dot com. Okay. So I know you've got a whole lot of analogies um, between chemistry <laughs> and life. And I, I find it really fascinating. Can you share with our listeners one of these connections? Sure. Um, I think the one that pops up for me right now is what I call the chemical law of chaos, um, which is actually the second law of thermodynamics, which uh -huh. is that the disorder of the universe must always increase. Okay, it's a mathematical thing. It's uh, entropy, delta S is greater than or equal to zero. So- uh -huh. and, and entropy is the chaos, entropy is chaos is in, in scientific terms, yes. Okay. And so the thing is, at times like these, at times like 9-11, the entropy is extraordinarily exploding with the COVID virus around the world, with Black Lives Matter. And what that is doing is numerically taking care of the disorder that must increase, thereby allowing negative values to happen, great negative values in ways that aren't possible in a non-chaotic time. That is to say, one-pointed systems can come into existence. It's, what are one-pointed systems? Um, so after 9-11, all that chaos, and my, my enlightenment experience happened uh, in connection to 9-11. All that chaos was happening, and I was able to step into this personal state, sorry about that, of order. Uh -huh. And um, uh, uh, um, so I'm sorry. <laughs> So, so we've got um, we've got chaos. What what is a one point system, and how to? What do you mean by that? Helping to create I, I order. Mean, I mean that you feel more peaceful, that you feel more at rest. That mm -hmm. um, uh, in New York there was philanthropy happening. There was a sense of global community that we didn't have really before that point. Uh -huh. There was a sense of uh, institutions shifting to be more compassionate. And I think our present times have opened a window whereby new institutions will be coming into being, new ways of policing, new ways of economic systems. And truthfully, um, you know, I'm not terribly political, um, but uh, I look at someone like Trump and I say, wow, who better to create global chaos at a time. <laughs> I mean, this man is doing a service in that chaos is spreading. What that does is make people less spiritual couch potatoes, more open to new systems of education, to mm -hmm. new systems of economics, to uh -huh. new ways of dealing with problems that we feel we knew the solutions before. Mm -hmm. And now, because of the chaos, are open to more one-pointed, one, -pointed, one com uh, compassionate, loving, considering everybody in equality kind mm -hmm. of systems. So right. it's the chaos itself that opens these windows. It's not that mm -hmm. they come into existence 
um, in spite of it, but almost because of it. Right. And so I'm very hopeful for these times, actually. It feels and, the darkness is being expelled, coming to yeah. the light, being seen for what it is, being released. And I think we're about to walk into a new world in the next 10, 20 years, 10, 15 years. Yeah, I, I do also have great hope. Um, and and I, the, the chaos that we're seeing um, is helping us to see the truth. And if we come to this place of allowing, not like we want to keep things this way, but by allowing, it, it means that we are going to be willing to truly see what is on multiple levels, that it's only through that, that point of view that allows us to really decide on a heart basis, on a, on a soul basis, on, a, on an intellectual basis, what it is we want to create. So beautiful, so beautiful. And these, this is the time and you can feel it, mm -hmm. you can feel it. I mean, it's, it's always, we always have a choice, the love and the fear. We can always yeah. look at a person, at society, at any situation and right. we can see the darkness in it or we can choose to see the light. Yeah. And it makes all the difference to how we feel personally. And the individual can do this just at, you know, in these COVID times, I'm, I'm, I'm sheltering alone still. Uh -huh. And uh, one of my practices for the last six, seven years is I do a five minute mirror exercise of saying loving words to myself uh -huh. in the morning. And it, it has gradually become my conversation with the divine. And it used to be before I did that practice that I wouldn't feel like going to a restaurant alone because I'd feel alone. And since uh -huh. I was doing that practice, I feel like I'm with someone. Uh -huh. And so um, I think it's a good thing in these times to do a mirror exercise like that, mm -hmm. particularly if you're sheltering alone, uh, right. just because there comes to be a reality of that thing that spirit is with us in a more concrete and palpable way, mm -hmm. a reality that supports our life on a day-to-day, moment-by-moment, you know, you want somebody to talk to, what, what shall I have for lunch basis? You know, yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, something concrete and real in one's life. Mm -hmm. At least it's become that for me. Mm -hmm. So, We've got about three minutes left. What would you like to share with our listeners from your circuitous journey that has taken you from rejection, dejection, victimhood to great empowerment and co-creative um, gifts that defy expectation what would you like to share with our listeners it's funny a line from uh the alchemist paolo coelho uh, came up for me of when you align with the passion of your heart the whole universe conspires to assist you uh. and what i've done in my life is when things have gone wrong, I've looked at 
where my joy is. What, where's, where's that place? Um, I, I've taught 37 years. At the uh -huh. beginning, um, unemployment was making up the difference in what I, I received as a salary, but it was always what I wanted to do. Uh -huh. And so no matter what the circumstances are, I followed my joy. And mm -hmm. I want people to know that each of their lives is so important. Mm -hmm. I, I, every single person's life is yeah. far more important, far more significant, far more interconnected with the entirety than they ever could on a, on a lower level realize. And that mm -hmm. what you do matters. What you do matters in your life and every effort you make for compassion, to see the good in a situation, to see the good mm -hmm. in a person, spreads light enormously. Mm -hmm. uh, joy extends, they found in, in a study through five households, uh, physical distance away, even if people don't know each other, which is not true of misery. Uh -huh. So every little you know, penny of joy you put in your bucket for yourself, mm -hmm. finding where that is in your being, that adds significantly to the whole in a very important way. Yeah. And sometimes I think people feel that seeking joy for themselves is somehow selfish, but what you're saying is it's a great way to contribute to the world. That's exactly it. Yeah. Okay. So I want to mention your book again, The Choice of Happiness. I love the subtitle. Glimpses from an extraordinary, ordinary, scientific, mystical life. And I love that you balance the, the science and the mysticism, um, the life lessons that come from the scientific perspective but can be expanded to the philosophy of life. And I love that you've taken your life as this adventure uh, where you've had curiosity and passion to move forward, not knowing, you know, where you would end up. Um, but it is a, a, a really magical result. And um, I want to thank you for joining us here today. Thank you so much, Christine. It's been a, a total joy to be here today with you. <laughs> uh, and I want to thank all of you for joining us here today. Um, if you want to see this show again, you can go to christineupchurch.com. Um, also, um, if you have any input, you can send information to info at christineuptrish.com. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for joining us here today. Bye, everybody. Thanks so much for tuning in today. If you'd like to empower yourself to step further into your vibration of change, please visit my website at christineupchurch.com, where you can learn more about my insights, upcoming events, and private sessions.